Welcome to the Dear Rochester Retire Well Podcast with David Pulsini from Six Point Financial Partners. In this podcast, find your path towards a brighter financial future with David as your guide as he helps individuals, educators, and healthcare professionals explore ways they can build wealth while minimizing risk using a multifaceted, comprehensive approach to personal finance. Are you ready to take the first step towards a brighter financial tomorrow? Let's get started. All right. Now that we're recording, I want out. (laughs) I want none of this. I want none of this on the record. Ladies and gentlemen, there we go. This is going to describe the personality perfectly throughout this episode. (laughs) And today we are continuing our series on some age-based advice. And with the six things that we tell our clients. That's right. In their 50s. So if you're in your 50s, this will be a great episode for you. Possibly. We have a guest who has really lifted himself into stardom in the financial advisor community, low-level celebrity, we'll call it, Anthony, through his creative and sometimes ridiculous use of social media. And it's pretty awesome. Um, If you've not checked out his content or material yet, please do. I recommend that you do. And we'll, we'll get you links for that later. But I wanted to get him on today because the things he talks about and the things he does are basically in near perfect alignment with the things that we believe in our group, in our industry, and we wanted you to hear it from somebody else. So here's a brief introduction taken directly from his famed LinkedIn profile. (laughs) As a certified financial practitioner, he works in the trenches, on the front lines every day with clients. He is the sole owner of Ruffalo Wealth Management and operates on LPL Financial's independent platform. Anthony specializes in executive equity compensation planning, tax-efficient retirement accumulation planning, tax-efficient retirement distribution planning, managing investment portfolios. And here's my favorite part. He has this posted on his LinkedIn. September 2021 will be the next month we will be accepting new clients. And there's a reason I'm saying this, Anthony. We will be accepting, this is what he wrote, four more households in 2021 that meet two of the following three criteria. Minimum total net worth of $1 million. Criteria number two, 2020 income of $250,000 or more. Criteria number three, his firm manages $400,000 or more for you on a fee basis. The reason I say that is that proves that our guest, Anthony Ruffalo, is doing a tremendous job loving financial planning. He delivers a no-nonsense message, and we love his stuff. So, Anthony, there's our intro. How are you today, man? Well, there's a lot. There's a, there's a lot to unpack there. I don't even know. So, first of all, the, the beginning of the intro, thank you. <laughs> Question mark? I don't know. I feel like I gotta. So you, when you read through the when you read through like the profile, I specifically crafted it that way because I think there's a lot of there's a lot of people on social that aren't practicing financial advisors, and mm-hmm. they're just marketers. So I think that that's an important distinction. It's like the social media stuff. It, I, I started because I for new new client acquisition, uh, and I, I I didn't knew I didn't know anything about any of these platforms. I didn't know anything about cameras or any of this stuff twenty eight months ago, yep. and I just kind of learned from uh, learned from scratch. But I think it's an important distinction to know that first and foremost, you know, I'm a I'm a financial advisor, and then when when things ramp up and I get pressed for time, social takes a, a back seat because I am on the front lines. I'm the one doing the financial planning. I'm working with the accountants. I'm doing the portfolio. Like I'm doing all the, I plan first, manage the money. 
The topic of today, and I will try to keep us in line as much as possible because this will keep going, is the six things that we yeah. tell people in your 50s, you need to do these things. And I think you wanted to split it up a little bit between like almost helping some advisors, which is great. Let me tell you why. Or telling, helping advisors tell their clients what to do. And then also the more boring, got we got to do it, but the more boring technical stuff. I have, just so you know, Anthony, probably half of our listeners are actually mm -hmm. financial, are financial advisors. The yeah. other half are, they're all over the place, but we have a, a number of just regular people in Rochester that may not know the, all about the financial planning stuff. And that's, uh, that, and that's who we're speaking to, just so you know. <laughs> Got it. So what's the first thing you would tell someone in their, in their fifties? So in the fifties is that you got less, uh, you got, you got one foot on a banana peel and the other foot in a grave. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> oh, They're all going to turn it off right now. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But no, seriously, like you really start thinking about your, your own, uh, your own mortality a little bit more. And my experience with working with, um, older, older folk, you know, fifties and sixties, man. Um, you know, the things that from a financial planning perspective, I have very, very few people. I've seen very, very, very few people make it. We plan to a hundred. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the average life expectancy, you know, is like 83, 85 ish. Mm -hmm. And then you also have to think about, okay, just cause I lived to 83 or 85, what's the quality of my life look like? And if you're doing a six, like if you're retiring at 65, you got 15, 18, 15 or 18 years of, of, you know, you know, really right. spending and, and, and traveling and doing all those things. Um, so I would say first and foremost, number one, you got to start, you really start thinking about your health and what that looks like. Yep. Well, and you know what, we've talked about this before on different episodes, but there are two, two main stresses that someone can have. And the number one stress would obviously be health. And the second is financial. And by the way, the, if your health is perfect and you're, then your stress is financial. So if you can take care of both, obviously that's helpful. But the, so number one, we're talking about health and what do you have after that? Oh, from, let me run it. Let me just, let me run it down real quick. Cause yep. I, I made a, a quick list here. Are the, okay. here are the things that I would I, dot and kind of, they're similar to what you should be doing in your forties as well. I mean, there's just common themes, Right. But here's what I came up with. And, you know, we can have a list of 100, really. Um, but want, dial in specifically on your retirement income targets. Just get even more crystal about what those numbers are, where those sources of income are going to come from. The taxation involved with, when you look at, when you project out and you look at distributions from your pre-tax accounts, your non-qualified accounts, and your Roth accounts, and creating retirement, do a mock Hey, if I was if 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 I was retired today based on today's tax rates and I need $120,000 in annual income, well what does that actually look like and exactly like exactly what accounts am I going to pull from? Well, I'm going to take I'm going to have social security, I'm going to have a pension. Okay, that's let's let's say that's 60,000 and then I'm going to have X from my pre-tax, I'm going to have, and then I'm going to have X from my non-qualified and X from my Roth account. And then if it were you pull the future to the present and if this was if I was retired today, this is exactly how we would distribute it out on a tax efficient basis and control your tax brackets. And that exercise should drill home and get you thinking about where you're saving. 
because you still have a little bit of runway left. If let's say you're 50, 55, you know, you got maybe 10 years of runway left. Well, and, and you may identify, well, I'm a little, I'm a little light on Roth savings or I'm, you know, or super heavy in pre-tax. Let's move, let's ship some of my systematic savings from pre-tax accounts to non-qualified accounts, to my, my plain old investment account to build up that bucket of money. And if you play, because if you play that game of if I was retired today, what does it look like? That may help kind of bring the future to the, the present and identify some gaps. Totally. So number one, yeah, maybe, maybe that's number that two. Was number one. No, that, that was, was number Okay. Let's call that number one. We'll call that number one. And it's perfect. So long story short with that, I mean, a quick summary would just be meet with an advisor, go through how much money you think you're going to need, where's it going to come from, and then fill in our gaps, which can be easily adjusted by any financial advisor that knows what they're doing. Well, that's, oh. we'll, we'll back up. There's a lot of financial advisors <laughs> who will just try and sell you a bunch of garbage. And we all know what, what we mean by a bunch of garbage. <laughs> and so, the rule there is if it, fe- if, it, if it feels wrong, it probably is. Well, I think you already mentioned the rule. Most of them, you can ask for their credit report, their own balance sheet, and let me see how you invest your money. And their written financial plan. And their financial plan. There you go. Um, Some of them may have it at this point, but you're not wrong. Right products, right stuff, right mix of things. I don't even like to say the word product anymore, by the way. That doesn't feel right. I mean, there is a a place for things based on a a plan and a strategy. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in absolutes. Now you should be taking advantage of your, you know, from a technical perspective, your, uh, your catch-up provisions, mm-hmm. you know, if you're over 50, right. You know, you could put 7,000 into the Roth and then you get the bump on the, on the 403B side and you get the bump on the 401k side. So was it, it's 19.5 and it goes, yep. it's another 5,500 for this 65. year, 6,500. 65, yeah. yep. Okay. So you've got though, but I don't, I wouldn't automatically just default to maxing those out based on bullet point number one. That's right. So just because you can get another 6,500 into your qualified plan, doesn't mean you should get another 6,500, put another 6,500 into your qualified plan. And that's a perfect example of blanket advice. So if you meet the 403, the 403B person and their job is just to sell 403Bs, they're going to tell you, you max that sucker out. Like, and then you even get a 457 and do a paired plan and max that one out too, if your district <laughs> offers that. Well, and not that that is necessarily bad, but it's just blanket advice. I would say, go to the plan and what is the plan based on the bullet point number one. And you do that little exercise of if I was retired, what type of flexibility do I have to create income tax diversification in the future? I love it. And what a lot of people aren't considering is, and you can't project the future. We all know that as far as, especially laws and tax rates, but we've been talking a ton about tax rates rising, obviously. And if tax rates go up, most of the time the people we're meeting with, they have significant pre-tax balances and very little relative after-tax balances. So Roths, non-qualified, when Anthony says non-qualified, that's what he's talking about after, after-tax dollars. It may not make sense to put your extra dollars into a pre-tax 403B or deferred comp. It's going to make some sense to put it in after tax and diversify tax-wise. And it also helps out in the future if we think tax brackets are going to go up, which I'm pretty sure we all agree that we think they are going to. You never know, but at least it helps us plan for that and it diversifies us tax-wise. 
I don't know if are you a UFC fan? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So you remember you remember who the first person to win the UFC was? It was Hoist Gracie. Hoist Gracie. Yeah. Yeah. Hoist Gracie. Hoist Gracie won the UF. Won the UFC. The first it was like the no holds barred competition. Yeah. Okay. Hoist Gracie came in and there was no weight classes. There were no time limits. It was an octagon. You got in, two men enter, one man leave. That's it. Like he fought four fights in a night in order to win, in order to win. That doesn't exist anymore. That ship is still. The reason why he won, he was a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and the rest of the world had no idea what Brazilian jiu-jitsu was because it was a very highly specialized discipline. Nobody knew what it was, and he destroyed people with it. That's mm -hmm. why he won. Fast forward, right now, if you took Hoist Gracie and you put Hoist Gracie in the UFC, he would get annihilated. He wouldn't even. He probably wouldn't even last one, because now, in order to win the UFC, you have to be a striker. You have to have your cardio conditioning. You have to be a wrestler. You have to. You have to be a. a, a you know, have to be a black belt, but you have to have a ground game. You have to know jujitsu. You have to be able to, to defend against it. You have to. Your nutrition has to be unbelievably dialed in. You're a world-class athlete. I use that example. You cannot, 30 years ago, you could just have a pre-tax investment account and you'd be fine. Fast forward to today, you have to have a well-rounded save Like you have to have a well-rounded savings plan. You have to have a diversified savings plan. You have to have pre-tax. You have to have non-qualified, which is just you know, a regular investment account that you're going to be subject to long and short-term capital gains. And then you've got to have your, your Roth money built up in order to win the game of finance. You retire at 65 and you live 25, 30 years. You can see six different, seven different presidents with seven different tax law changes throughout your, your retirement. If you want to defend against that, you can't just have jujitsu. You got to have it all. I love That's it. the analogy that I that I use. You need to make a pie we, chart. The, the answer is, Dave, we don't we don't know what's going to happen, right? We don't know what's going to happen in the future. Ta we don't know if we get some harebrained, crazy socialist president or we get some nutty conservative who's off the rocker that you know lowers you know, lowers tax rates to 5% for four years. Like, we don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. But the best we do know that the best way to be prepared for all of that is to have the flexibility of multiple different um, uh, accounts. So, hey, man, what are we on? Point number two, and we're like 20 minutes in. So let's number get to number three. three. Number three. Okay. <laughs> number three. Number, number three, um, I, uh, in your 50, and this is, this is coming from, it's, I'm 16 years into this business. I've been selling as part of a financial comprehensive plan, life insurance with LTC. I'm a big fan of the hybrid policies. When you get into product, there's a million people yeah. that be like, oh, here's why these things are horrible. And here's why they're awesome. I have a whole, a whole slew of reasons why I like them. Doesn't always work hundred percent of the time. Sometimes we have to pivot and use other things based on somebody's individual situation. But in general, I, in your fifties, you need to, you need to start thinking about some type of long-term care coverage because that is one of the largest risks in because health. Mm -hmm. One of the, one of the biggest risks that you have in retirement and derailing your savings. And I've seen it is just not having any coverage or the risk of, of getting of getting uh, having a, a major long-term care event.
No doubt about it. We did a full series on this that, um, as of this date, hasn't been rele- released yet. Actually, the date that they're listening to this will be out, but episodes 16, 17, and 18, we did three of them because it gets into such detail. And you know how it goes. People get bored. They don't want to listen to this all at once, but it is a huge risk. We walk through every type of account and how it's affected, but the biggest point that Anthony's made <clears throat> is that it can absolutely drain someone's financial situation if they're in the I'll, I'll call it the wrong spot, which actually means you have something to lose, which is most people in their fifties. Yeah. It's like, so it, it's, it's strange. Like when you, when you really get into it. So I've got like a, a wide spectrum of, um, of clients. Cause it's people who are, whose margins are running thin margins who don't have the capacity for, for risk. And that's usually that's your working middle class. Right. And like, if you've, if you've only got, you know, half a million, million bucks put away, that's you. However, if you're the, if you've got two, three, four million put away, put back for retirement, you're probably like, you're fine. Like, you know, when, when I run the numbers and we look at planning and you go, Hey, worst case scenario, um, you know, if one of you gets sick, you can, they can, they can easily afford to pay out of pocket for those long-term care expenses. Because when you're taking money out of the portfolio, right? For $4 million portfolio generating income, you could do that for a couple of years to pay for a long-term care expense. Now, does it still make sense to leverage leverage insurance dollars and shift some assets on the balance sheet to cover that? That's up to the client to make that decision. I show them, like, here's what you could do. If you think that this is a risk that's worth insuring, let's look at it. If you think that insurance is BS and you don't want to deal with it, well, we don't have the conversation. I like if on, on the other, on the other end, on the lower, you know, like the, in the middle where it's a bigger risk, I'm a little bit more adamant about making that recommendation because I, I I've seen what happens. Yeah. And once <laughs> you see it, going back to our advisor listeners, right? If you haven't lived through this yet and you haven't seen it, once you do, <clears throat> it will completely change how you feel about certain things. So life insurance with long-term care, like you said, slew of reasons, million products, not making blanket recommendations about it, but it typically can make you got it. You just have, a lot of people. And, and from a call, from a cost, per, from a cost perspective, yep. um, just take it. I mean, I mean, there's one particular policy. It's a hybrid. I'm not going to, you know, whatever. Yep. I don't want to endorse anybody, but I've been selling it for over a decade and the premiums have gone, not, not the, the clients that bought it, but if you want that same policy that I sold 10 years ago, the premiums are like 40, 50% higher. Oh yeah. The cost has gone up. Mm-hmm. Their insurers are raising the cost to buy these policies. And it is getting it. The math is getting less and less in the favor of the, of the client. And that's just the reality of, you know, how the insurance companies, how, yeah. how they work. Well, Some, I'm sorry. Aging demographic. They, sometimes they do misprice things. And if you have a, and you have a contract that has some guarantees in it, man, oh, that's such a good feeling when you, when you know you beat them. Oh yeah. We, we still have a few of those from 17 or 18 years ago that are just, we'd never get rid of them. And I I remind our clients every time, by the way, we, we got so lucky that we did this because we'd never get rid of this. Never get rid of it. (laughs) Here's the telltale sign. The telltale sign. If you, if you or your client is getting a letter in the mail from the insurance company, that's right. They're offering to buy you out. You won. <laughs> we can insurance companies don't want to buy people out of contracts because they're losing money. I love. I mean, because I'm sorry, because they're making money. 
They want to buy you out because they're losing money. Yeah. And if, if you're an advisor at one of those companies or a listener and you're, you're considering doing one of those buyouts, um, when I was working with one of those companies, it was like endorsed internally. Please get your clients to do this. And the reason is because they're losing money, right? I won't get into that. So what point are we on? Four or five? Uh, number four, number <laughs> All right, four. go ahead. Um, this one kind of goes back to that mock um, uh, ta- uh, kind of tax planning is identifying income gaps. And what do I mean by that is sometimes, you know, when we're doing planning with people, hey, I want to retire at, at 65. Well, we, we identify this little Goldilocks period between 65 and 72 when RMDs kick in to where you know they're in a they're in a significantly lower tax bracket and it it makes sense to look at IRA conversions. So I'm a big big proponent in that and that if you're again when you look at your 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 balance sheet in by tax type if you're light on tax free Roth money you should consider you know identifying through the planning process are there, are there, um, am I going to have some lower income years where I'm in the 12%, 10% effective bracket, where it makes sense to, to look at doing some conversions? Um, so I have some more control in the future. Control in the future, Roth, uh, Roth IRAs don't have RMDs. And that seems like at 55, you're like, you know, whatever. It, it's an abstract concept. But let me tell you, a lot of the people, that when they get to their 70s that have the biggest balances, it's so counterintuitive. They, I, I have a hard time getting them to spend money and they don't yeah. want to take it out. So on the Roth side, you don't have, there are no RMDs. There's no force out in the Roth IRA. There is in the Roth 401k and the Roth 403b. I'm sure we'll see that change in our, you know, in our lifetime. At some point, right? That's, yeah. And it's um, interesting. So Go ahead. I was just going to add one thing to your your conversions. There are little things that can come up too, and I'll give you an example. This this was recently happened. We had a client sell a business, and now this is not going to apply to everybody, but it's just a little tip. And there are many examples like this: sold a business, actually, kind of took it as a loss, giant loss on their taxes, gave us tons of room to do a giant conversion into a Roth, mm. and they didn't owe anything. It was perfect. So there yeah. are little things in life-changing opportunities, selling a business, other write-offs, things that might pop up where you can take advantage of tax planning. That if you're just a, the average listener right now, you might not even know these things unless you're getting a hold of an advisor to help you take care of it. And that is, Anthony, if you could convert $500,000 into a Roth and you had the cash to pay for it because you sold a business, how beautiful is that for the client? I mean, that's we, we couldn't have done anything better for them. It's- yeah. This, so I'm not, I don't do a lot of work with small businesses are not my, my yeah. forte. That's not the market that I, that I play in, but there is, you know, the net operating NOL, you get the net operating loss. Mm-hmm. And there are guys that are real good uh, with using the NOL net operating loss to offset. If you have the right entity, um, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a pass-through entity and it flows through to your personal, you could possibly use that to convert some free money. Like, yeah. Again, it's just part of working with part of working with a, an advisor who knows what. The, not my space, not my for, not my forte. You know, you want to talk RSUs, restricted stock units, and stock options. That's me, baby. <laughs> we'll save that one for a different time. We're going to go for three hours. So, number um, five, what do we got? Rethink your home. Mm-hmm. Rethink your home, and that's again fifty-five. Maybe you're ten years ten years out. 
you know, that's planning. Planning is getting ahead of where, you know, at 55, you're, you know, kids are probably finishing up with college. They should, you know, should uh, maybe be done. They're almost a hundred percent off the payroll out of the house um, or, you know, getting close to being an empty nester, you know, type of thing. Or you could be an empty, empty, depending on when you started the family. Mid fifties is a transitional, is a life transitional period. You know, if you've got a 3,000, 3,500 square foot home and you're on the precipice of just, it's just going to be you and your, you and your wife there, you and your husband there rethinking the space. And what are we going to do? I mean, there couldn't be a better time to capture the equity in your home. But I, I believe that that is also part of the overall estate conversation. And it's also part of the long-term care because as you know, it's all interwoven and they go, they go hand in hand. Now, I'm not suggesting you run out and sell your home and downsize, but you need to be thinking about, you know, and, and that's, that's a very subjective personal opinion. There are some people, you know, like my dad, he's like, they're going to carry me out of here in a pine box. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, that that's fine. And there are other people that they go kind of in the back of their head. You're like, yeah, I know we don't need 5,000 square feet anymore. There's just the two of us and really start. What does that look? What are the tax implications? Do you have so much equity in your home that you're over the exemption and you'd be subject to capital long-term capital gains yep. on, on the sale, start modeling some things, looking at it, at it from a, a tax perspective. And then the opportunity, like, what am I going to do? Where are we going to go? What does that lifestyle look like? Are we going to become snowbirds? Are we going to move to Boca? Are we going to open another practice in Florida? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, I've seen it all. Right. And you said it, man, the, the time to sell. If you've created a couple points of urgency here, by the way, the long-term care price is jumping way up quickly is absolutely a thing because of our demographic and our population is just, and insurance companies are not going to want to continue to pay claims. And there's just more and more people taking that and going on claim, we'll call it. Mm -hmm. The second thing is we are in still in the midst of a crazy real estate market all around the country. And we have had clients that have taken advantage of it and they sold their house one of them was like, I'll just figure it out. It'd be crazy for me financially not to sell my house right now, take advantage of this. They basically maxed out the gains, $500,000 between the spouses. And that's tax-free money. That is game-changing for so many people. So it is absolutely something. We should look at. All right. Point number six, we're going to go past uh, two hours again. Fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know. You do it. Go on. I love it. Um, and the, uh, the last point is again, you know, we could, there's all sorts of lists I know that you can come up with, but this one is near and dear to my heart. It is aside from the healthcare, healthcare risk. uh, It is the, uh, I believe the number one risk. And I think it is apropos for where we are today in the markets. And that is being cognizant of your sequence of return risk. What does that mean? (laughs) <laughs> Glad you asked, Damon. <laughs> Sequence of return risk, and it's a very, very simple concept that can either make or break you. So basically, or do you retire into a bear market or you retire into a bull market? What does that mean? When when your your sequence of returns are irrelevant when you're saving money, they they don't matter. 
your sequence of returns become relevant when you're distributing your portfolio. And when you do that, when you sit down and you do the math on it, there are you know lots of studies or just charts that you can get. And really, if you get the if you get three, four, five years of negative returns, you retire into a bear market and you begin drawing down your portfolio, you because know, we tell people like don't just ride out the volatility, don't touch it, don't touch it. Well, if you don't have a choice and you're using it to create income, now you have to touch it. Now it becomes a problem. Also, the, the study will show, or you know, just a, a sequence of return kind of flow chart. If you flip it the other way, right? You run them side by side, you, you get your negative returns in the first couple of years versus you flip it and you get uh, positive returns in your first couple of years. There's lots of different charts that you can get, but basically it's the difference of millions and millions of, of dollars through a 30-year retirement and or running out of money. I don't know if I painted that picture correctly. You totally did. So let's just, I mean, use an example, right? Somebody retires in 2007. They have a million bucks. They need $60,000 a year. What happened? I think everybody knows that the million dollars turned into 700,000 and they're drawing 60,000 down per (laughs) year. It's almost impossible to get back to the number that you had. Now, if you retired two years later in 2009 and you had a million dollars and you took out 60, but the market returned 40%. Yeah, four hundred thousand in interest, for, for example, and you took out sixty. So, just a two-year difference in retirement in that example. Yeah. So, if you start at let's say you, you start, let's say you retire, you have a million dollars, and you're drawing down five percent, fifty thousand dollars a year, year one, right? You that's that's what we plan on, or that's what your your plan is. Well, um, if you retire and market or your portfolio is down twenty percent. So you went from a million to 750 in year one. You lost 25% of the value of your portfolio in, in year one. Year, let's say you get an, another down leg, you could be at a half a million by year three. It's not gonna last. And you need to adjust your, so your income, I mean, the solution we call the, the down market counter move. The only thing that you can do to counter that at that point is you go, you, you're not taking 5% of a million anymore. You gotta take 5% of a half a million, you just cut your income from 50 to 25. Cause that's the only way, that's the only thing that you're going to be able to do in order to give yourself a chance of not running out of money. Yeah. Cause if you continue at that accelerated withdrawal rate, you're going to be toast. And I mean, everybody knows this and you've heard stories. If somebody hasn't heard a story like this, I think it's crazy. My so-and-so had to go back to work because the market went down they had to do this or they, they couldn't take any more money or they ran out of money. So yeah. It's a very common thing. So, but before that, so the point is, let's be aware of the sequence of returns risk. But in your fifties, um, where I thought you were going, headed with it, maybe you are, is just be aware of how you're invested closer to retirement. Let's not be one hundred percent in Bitcoin. <laughs> let's let's uh, let's make sure we're diversified. We're getting a little more conservative, but also keep in mind, and I hear this a lot, is it doesn't mean you should go all into the fixed account at your employer because listen, and we've said this, we're, you, you run plans to age 100. If you retire at 65, there's still 35 years to go. That's a really long time horizon. It doesn't mean we need to go all crazy in money markets and go extremely no. conservative. Yeah. We still so, need what, some growth. so what I tell, what I tell clients is real simple. Like there's no, you don't get, there's no finish line here. If we do this right, you're going to die with money in the market. Like that's yeah. just, that, that's, that's the, there's no switch we're doing this thing in perpetuity. There's no finish line. There's no like, Oh, we, the finish line is like, I get to always give you a paycheck. That's the finish line. Right. Right. Because if you think about it, why did, 
what, what the advent of the 401k in 1980 came about to replace pensions because we all know why. I mean, you could you could spin it any, any way you want. The corporations just wanted to get rid of the pension liabilities off their balance sheets and they needed to figure out a way for people to also prepare and save for their own retirement. So they lobbied Congress and government, came up with some tax incentives, and then they wanted to shift all of those liabilities off of their balance sheet. That's the real reason why they did it. It wasn't because they were trying to do us any favors. <laughs> they wanted it off of their book. So quickly recap the six points or the six things that we tell people and then yep. tell people how they can get a hold of you. And if I'm telling you guys, if you have not followed Anthony on LinkedIn, you have to do it. If you're an advisor, you'll either appreciate it or you won't be able to stand it, but it's, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, yeah. but you'll get it for the regular listener. There's some uh, deep, dark jokes in there about financial planning, but it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to give you one okay. on the sequence of return, yeah. sequence of return risk. So, what you'll see is there's two ways to solve for that. There's an insurance-based way and there's a non-insurance-based way. And I'm not going to tell you which one is because I, I, I use both. Yep. You can, you can solve that with a, with, there are certain types of annuities where you can use to solve those sequence of return problems or help solve those, those problems, mitigate the risk. It's risk sharing. And there's a cost to that. Anytime you get an insurance company involved, there's always an added cost. If you want them to take on some of the risk for you. And then there's also the bucketed planning approach. So if you're a pure advisory guy or pure advisory uh, gal, you can manage that risk through a through bucket planning mm -hmm. and you know, real simple What bucket planning is well, how I do it is I have, you know, your, your income bucket, your very short-term bucket of money, one to uh, one to five years, super conservative, um, super conservative fixed income, very low yield investments, low vol. We have income in that for you know three to five years. So we're not worried about all of the volatility in the markets over here. You've got your medium term bucket of money that may be, you know, like a 60, 40, 70, 30 type portfolio. And then you've got your long term, your, your, your 15 plus year bucket of money, which kind of we even describe it as you know, that's the inheritance bucket of money. And we go 100% equities in that bucket of money. But when you blend it all out, you come up with a very reasonable blended rate of return. It allows the client to sleep at night because I hate, I know this bucket of money. I know I got my income coming from here. And then there's also ways you could also do it. You know, there, there are some annuity products out there depending on, you know, age, fees, what's appropriate. There's some annuity products that, that work to solve those, those, those sequence of return problems as well. Really don't care which way you do it, but you got to be cognizant of solving for that risk. I like it. And it, it, it's perfect. And we, we use the bucketing approach very frequently. I actually have a video out on our website about what the buckets mean. And it's one of those little doodle videos to make it so it's not so oh, boring. Cool. Right? Yeah. So you want me to recap? So here are the points. Number one, dial in on your specific retirement income targets and what the max, what your max spending will be. Project it out. You're 55. What does that look like? At, let's assume you're 65 target. What does that look like? Are you okay with that? Are you on target or off target? What do you need to do to get there? Number two, you've got your qualified plans. Look at it, if it's appropriate for you went after you go through that exercise, if you have the right tax diversification, can you add some more to your qualified plans? Number three, I'd be looking at some uh, a life with an LTC policy or at least addressing through the estate planning process 
what does what does a long-term care event look like and can I handle, can I absorb that? Can we absorb a long-term care event either through um, through our assets, what we have, or estate documents? Are they, are they structured properly to get us through that? Do we have them in place? And should we look at possibly passing some of that risk off to insurance carrier? That's number three. Number four, um, identify income gaps through the Goldilocks period as you transition to retirement while you're in a lower tax bracket. Consider possible conversions to IRA, uh, Roth IRA that will give you some future tax control and it'll also allow you to uh, have control of when you spend your money, i.e. no RMDs. Number five was rethink your home. What does that mean for you? How does that play into your overall uh, plan long-term? And then be cognizant of and be thinking about and understand the concept of sequence of return risk. Beautiful. We could have just done that and it would have nailed it. We're going to get some good quotes out of that one. So, yeah, well, you can, you can chop it up. You can splice it up. Hey, so, Hey man, listen, so how can people get a hold of you, watch your stuff, check out your website? It's pretty simple. Find it's, your name, right? I mean, if only there were a device in everybody's pocket <laughs> that had access to all of the world's information that's ever been created. I, I actually think Siri just said access. That is yeah. I, what ironic timing. Um, <laughs> Um, no, I mean, just uh, type yeah. in my Ruffalo Wealth Management, Anthony Ruffalo, go to LinkedIn, find me on, on LinkedIn. You know, that's where I post my, the, the kind of fun, fun, satirical, I, I toggle back and forth between serious and, you know, like uh, comedy and serious stuff. You, and, do. And, you do a good job of it. You, you're just fun. And then, and then I have a YouTube channel. The YouTube channel, what I use YouTube is really just, I put videos on YouTube in order to have a link because on when you have a link, it's much more shareable. Right, right, exactly. Versus. And that's what we're using it for too. Yeah. So that's it. Man, I know you're busy. I know you have a lot going on. Um, so I appreciate the time. I know the listeners appreciate it. This should be an entertaining one at least. And there's actually, there's a lot of good material in it as well. So yeah. We appreciate it, sir. Thank you for your time. If anybody needs to get a hold of me, it's dpolsini at sixpointfp.com. Go to our website or check us out on LinkedIn as well. And for now, make it a great day. Thank you for listening to the Dear Rochester Retire Well podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Six Point Financial Partners. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Content here is for illustrative and educational purposes only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analysis of Six Point Financial Partners. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, Private Client Services, their clients, or their employees.
This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Six Point Financial Partners or RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services, Six Point Financial Partners, and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.